so you are basically like playing a game between like life and death like every day which is kind of crazy to say um and like this is sort of going back to what I was talking about before is that like people with diabetes are so casual about about it like on a day-to-day basis just because you're used to it and it's your routine yeah I go through my days so seamlessly that I feel like sometimes people around me like just don't even realize and it's like that's great like I like being just Claire like I don't like being like this disease or whatever but um it is good to like bring awareness to it and say you know this is a huge issue for people where um right now the cost of insulin has risen like 1200 percent in the past 20 years. Welcome to the Build with Braybeck podcast, where we dig deep into real, raw, and honest conversations with people that are making moves, making change, and making their own version of their very best life. And teaching you how to build the same. Covering all things health, wellness, anti-diet culture, body positivity, and so much more. Here's your host, Amanda Braybeck. Good morning. Happy Thursday. It's Amanda. Thanks for tuning in for another episode. Um, Before we get into it, I am going to just chat your ear off a little bit. First things first, like I said, we're doing the highs, we're doing the lows. My high from the week um, hasn't really happened yet, but I'm going on vacation for a long weekend and I cannot wait to be horizontal, um, drinking some margaritas. Um, yeah. And then my low also related to this is, you know, it was nice last week. We had a 70 degree day. I ate on a rooftop on Saturday. It was a little cold for that, but I was really hanging on. Um, and now all of a sudden, it's so cold. My fingers are purple. My lips are purple. The air hurts my face. I thought we were done with this. Apparently, we're not. Also, I have never been so affected by daylight savings. I feel like I can't figure out what day it is, where I am, what my name is. So, I, again, cannot wait to be horizontal. Moving on. But also, send me your guys' highs and lows. Like, I want to hear them. It's weird not having, like, a co-host that we can, like, do these things together. It feels weird that I'm just, like, talking to myself. But this is what we're doing. All right. Um, Moving on. So if you guys follow me on Instagram, then you are definitely very aware that I am getting my intuitive eating counselor certification. And I... I'm very vocal about my reasons why, Um, but I also told you guys I wanted to take you along on this journey with me, and I do think I am going to do some solo episodes on that, but also it's easy just to like sprinkle in a little bit of this very important stuff just in the beginning of these episodes. So um, the first chapter or first like section of the workbook that I just finished was all about rejecting the diet mentality. Again, if you follow me, if you're my friend, you know that I am all about this, especially as of recently. Um, But first things first, it's all about how dieting leads to weight gain. It's scientifically proven to actually be an indicator of potential weight gain, which at first kind of blows your mind because it's like, well, then why are we all so obsessed with it? But it also, the second you start to just reflect back, it's so clear that it's so true. Take a second now. Think about every diet that you've ever gone on. Now, I want you to think about um, the results that you had and the long-term results that you had. So if you did um, a juice cleanse, if you were on keto for however many months, if you did Whole30 and you lost a significant amount of weight, you were happy with your results, how long did it take? 
for those results to go away and for you to gain the weight back. Probably not a significant amount of time. And more likely than not, you would have gained back more than you had lost originally. Now, obviously, that's like a huge psychological thing. Um, I mean, when you're restricting, 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 you always want what you can't have. So adds up that, you know, the second that you're done with a restrictive diet, you're going to want to go ham on all those foods. And even if you don't totally binge, you're going to be drawn to all that stuff because you haven't had it for so long. So the weight gain is natural. And there's just so much other um, just scientific information about why your body will gain that weight back. And it's just that constant cycle of being having your body be in this fight or flight mode. You know, it's creating additional stress, all the things. But it just was interesting to um, – because it really had you map out and write down every single diet you've ever done in your life, um, reasons for starting the diet, how long you were able to stay on it, if you lost weight, did you keep the weight off, did you regain, did you regain more? Um, and first of all, it was just eye-opening just to write down how many different diets or meal plans or products that I have tried in my adult life when like I'm a very petite girl and I'm, I've written blog posts about it, so I'm not really going to get into it, but yet, you know, I still have this obsession or past tense had an obsession with being smaller, um, with shrinking myself down because that's what society wants. That's what society praises people for. Um, so it's just interesting to take the time to reflect, uh, but then also to take it a step further and to really think about how that dieting has affected your life. So thinking about different social situations um, and like different like behavioral symptoms of this diet culture, you know, there's the physical symptoms that we just touched on um, in terms of weight gain, but also a blunted metabolism. You know, when you're on a constant diet cycle, your body doesn't really know what to do. Like your metabolism is going to get messed up. Um, maybe excessive cravings, kind of like what we were saying, when you're restricting, it's almost always, you know, carb type of foods. If you're doing keto, it's even more extreme, like any food with carbs, like fruit, that's foods with fiber. Carbs are literally the energy producing macronutrient that your body needs. So when you're restricting that, your body is going to crave that excessively. Um, being disconnected from hunger cues, from fullness cues, chronically tired. Some people, you know, in extreme situations have hair loss, different things like that. But then, you know, social symptoms. Are you stressed out about eating in social situations? Are you constantly comparing what other people are eating to what you're eating? Um, do you – are you tempted to cancel social events because you're stressed out about what you're going to be able to eat when you're there? You don't want to eat the wrong thing or eat, quote, unquote, bad food that kind of things. Like I know that in like the heat of my cycle of dieting, that was a real thing. I like never wanted to get after work drinks with my coworkers because I was like, oh, I'm not supposed to have, you know, one or two glasses of wine during the week. Like, oh, I can't have restaurant food. I have to have my meal prep food even though, you know, I probably wouldn't have even eaten anything that was that crazy. I wouldn't have done anything that, one, would really affect my quote-unquote results, but it's adding 
more psychological stress. I'm not unwinding after work with friends because I have to go to the gym. Like that was a non-negotiable always, which life is too short. You should be able to live a little fast and loose sometimes. Um, So, I mean, I definitely encourage you, you know, whether or not you think that has interfered with your life, take a second to just reflect. How has it affected your eating behavior? How it has affected your mind and your mood? Um, you know, are you stressed out over food? Are you overtired because you're under eating and you're hungry? You're frustrated because you're not getting the results. You get mad because you compare what your friends are doing to what you're doing and, you know, why can't I eat that? Mood swings, all of the things. Um, it's just, it's interesting when you think about how diets constantly fail us and how people are just somehow still sucked in to going back again and again. Like, this is going to be the one. This is the one that's going to fix it. You spend money like – I used to even freaking sell this stuff and I wasted so much money on it. It infuriates me. Anyone that I ever sent a message about Advocare, my sincerest apologies, I owe you a fruit basket. Not that like I was selling things that were like dangerous, like diet pills or anything, but it still was that idea of a 10-day cleanse, a 24-day slim down, all of that just BS that you don't need to waste your money on. You don't need to waste your energy on. Life is just too, too short. Um, So yeah, if you're interested in any of this intuitive eating stuff, like I'll definitely continue to share little tidbits of what I'm learning and what I am reviewing. Um, But if you have any questions, reach out. Um, So let's go ahead and get on to the episode. I think you guys are going to absolutely love this one. Claire is such a light and has such good energy. She, um, I actually met her years ago. If you guys listened to the first episode with Kick It by Eliza, um, she also was an instructor. So we met at some um, different instructor events, certifications, all those fun things. And she is just a person that lights up a room that you want to be around. Um, and we just have a really good conversation. Even if you don't have a chronic illness, if you, even if you don't know anyone with diabetes, which I'm sure most of you do, um, it's interesting to hear about these healthcare um, issues that, you know, you don't worry about until it affects you. And at some point it might. Um, so it's just interesting to hear different sides of it. It's also interesting to um, – just see the landscape of the fitness industry change. Um, we talk a lot about representation and, you know, I love that you can slowly, slowly see it moving away from, first of all, being extremely white-centered. Um, I mean, it still is. Obviously, there is a very long way to go there. Um, but at least you're starting to see some more representation in terms of race in some of like the popular fitness brands and um, gyms. But also different body types. I think people used to maybe only think like, oh, you only want to see this like unattainable body type because it's going to give you motivation when in reality sometimes it's intimidating and discouraging. So seeing all different body types. So maybe there's one that you relate to, um, one that like doesn't make you feel judged. And also someone with a chronic illness teaching a fitness class because there's so many misconceptions about Obviously, every illness is different, but there's so many misconceptions about what you can and can't do. So I don't know. I think she's amazing. I think that you guys will too. I hope you enjoy. Have a great Thursday. Have a great week. Enjoy, guys.
Straight from the IG bio, our guest today is an aspiring above average human with a below average immune system. She is very open about her journey with type 1 diabetes, helping to educate others on what it is and what it is not, as well as advocating to help improve quality care and access to insulin for everyone living with diabetes. When she is not inspiring others with her advocacy, she's inspiring others through her virtual fitness classes as a Kick It by Eliza instructor. She also has a wonderful eye for design and even created the illustration in this podcast cover art. Welcome to the podcast, Claire Clenenden. <laughs> I say do your last name right, right? Uh, Clendenin. Clendenin. Come on. But that's okay. I think no, I also was... spelled it wrong. So, <laughs> <laughs> so many people, one spelled wrong and two, like to call it like Clementine or like something just wild, like out of, out of, like, right. you You're were like, very did you even much... spend time looking at that? Like, <laughs> we're very much in the realm. Like, I oh, applaud you I for tried. even trying. If I were you, I would have just omitted the last name, but that was beautifully done. Honestly, <laughs> I don't think half of my closest friends can even say it. So, um applaud you for that but oh, that was the nicest thanks. intro anyone's ever done for me that was so sweet I was like wow well, you're so nice you're a great gal doing a lot of good things so you deserve it I mean I hope so I'm trying over here <laughs> um what did I miss I mean I know you're in school right now uh what did you a, miss like a oh, lot of man. other facets to your life yeah I mean I like to say I'm like a i I'm a cool person, but sometimes <laughs> I just forget these things. Um, I know I, yeah, I'm in school. I work, um, part-time at MGH and cancer research still. Oh. That was my full-time job before I went back to school. And, um, yeah, I have two dogs. I like to hang out with them mostly during quarantine. <laughs> I, yeah, I too <laughs> started a podcast recently. Yes. So, um, yeah, lots of fun things. I do volunteer work, as you said, sort of for advocating for insulin for all, um, through two and international, but yeah, that's pretty much me. <laughs> you, I love you it. You said it great. You said it perfectly. I love it. All right. Well, like, let's just start. I mean, you kind of bring it up too. Uh, with the type one diabetes, let's maybe kind of talk through your journey, like when you were diagnosed, what that was like and kind yeah. of all the ins and outs in between. Right. No. So I, I don't, I don't like to assume that people are, are very well-versed in type one diabetes and the obviously minute details of everything. But, um, I mean, even like I've had situations with like doctors, nurses and stuff who didn't know like anything about type one, which I was concerning for me That's at, at times. So yeah. it's surprising. I feel like some of my like closest friends know more than some of the doctors I've interacted with, but <sighs> that's horrible. And which is unfortunate. <laughs> I know I'm like, Oh, I was talking to my nurse practitioner about it today who I see it like, um, for my diabetes care. And she was just like, you'll see it everywhere. Like, and she was just like, but hopefully I will be a practitioner that won't be like that, you know? Yes. And, and do the work. But, um, yeah, I was diagnosed when I was 12 years old and, um, it was very, like all of a sudden no one in my family has type one. Um, we have a lot of like, um, <laughs> uh, what are they called? Oh my God. Autoimmune disorders <laughs> yes, yes. in our extended family. I'm like, oh my gosh, why is my brain not working? Um, <laughs> because it's Thursday afternoon. I know. And well, I talk about this stuff all the time too. So it should feel very like natural, but sometimes right. I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to like mess it up or say something wrong, but, no, you're not um, the, yeah. So, so I, I caught it caught really early by my PCP, who is my mom's really good friend. Um, at the time as well. So like she, she really knew like our family history well, and like all the, um, you know, chronic illness in our family. And then, mm -hmm. so my blood sugar was like barely high and it was like one, one twenty six or something, one twenty five, And, um, she made me come back in and do like a fasting blood glucose test. And then mm -hmm. that's when it was like getting more dangerously high. It was like in the two hundreds or something. Mm -hmm. So got pulled out of tennis camp, <laughs> like little 12 year old like, me. Come on. Camp. Yeah. And then went to Boston children's hospital where they took good care of me. And my blood sugar was like almost 500 at that point. So, oh my gosh. um, yeah, it happened really quickly, but they caught it super early. And like, I was not very symptomatic. So normally, um, with someone in with type one, um, you would see like extreme thirst and urination and like hunger, mm -hmm. fatigue, um, all of that. And, and it can be confused with like the flu or something like that. Right. But, um, yeah, I definitely was super thirsty and tired at the time, but, 
Um, it wasn't anything like extreme where I was like, oh my God, I need to go to the hospital. Um, but yeah, ever since then I've, I've just been like managing it. I did some like clinical trials when I was younger for, um, continuing glucose monitors and stuff like that. So I've always been like sort of involved, but, um, yeah, I mean, I like to say that I'm more outspoken about it now and like feeling more confident as a human being like with diabetes and then all, all these other facets that, um, now I feel like I can, I can be a person who's like a positive role model for other people with type one. Cause I was really insecure about like, like you said, like body image, um, having diabetes, like just all the normal, like teenage girl stuff too, but right. then like adding all like, chronic right. illness on it. Then you're like, Oh my God, what's going on. But, um, yeah, so I'm just trying to sort of navigate that. And then it's, um, I always tell people, I'm like, I started my Instagram, like not, and, and being more outspoken, just not as a, like, what was me? Because I, I do think people with type one are so strong and powerful and like can do anything anyone else does. Like just, we have to think about a few extra steps every day. Right. right? But, um, but then on the other hand, people are dying because they can't afford insulin and, and because we're not getting the care we need. Um, and so it's, it's like, it is urgent. Like that's an urgent need, but it also is like, I do think a lot of people with type one, like don't want the like sympathy, like, oh, like you can't right. do everything else. It's like, yeah, we can, if we have money, if we have resources, if we have access. Right. Um, and if we have insulin, then yeah, we can do everything just fine. I can be a contributing member of society. I can go be a badass and go like become a nurse and do whatever I want. Right. But if I don't have that, then yeah, I will die. Like, right. so it, it's, it's like such a weird kind of concept. Right. And, um, but yeah, I just, I want to, to make sure like people feel like seen and heard and empowered. Um, and just to, to kind of make sure like, there's no other little girl who thinks they're weird and like has to hide their diabetes from the world. It's like, yeah, it's, it's a part of who I am, but it's not who I am. Right. Um, but right. yeah, it's not everything. It's just no. kind of like something that you need to like, think about just to protect your health. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Let's go back just a little bit. Cause you were kind of mentioning yeah. it a little, no, no, no. I love I'm it. I'm like here, 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 here. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. But I feel like you started to talk a little bit about like when you were younger, cause you got diagnosed when you were 12, you said, right. Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, 12 year olds, I feel like girls, that's right when you're starting to really hit the like kind of awkward phase. Like you're (laughs) starting to like really get like embarrassed about things and like insecure. Like that is that prime time, like little tween age. So what was that kind of like? Like you were saying that when you were younger, you like were trying to hide it a little bit and more like insecure and right. I was in, I, yeah, I was deep in the trenches of the awkward tween phase for sure. <laughs> like, real it, was, it was real. Uh, yeah, no. Um, so it's interesting because, and, um, you know, I talked about this before it was before social media and everything. So like no one knew about it unless mm-hmm. I told them when I saw right. them. And so like all my close, really good friends knew. Um, and my mom was so supportive, like through my whole diagnosis, she's, mm. she's awesome. But she was just like encouraging me to do everything I was normally doing. So That's I good. was scheduled to go to basketball camp two weeks after I was diagnosed. And she was like, okay, we're going to basketball camp. Like, see you later. Like, right. so, and it was sleep away. So, um, that was really nice. Um, but I do feel like I was embarrassed about it. Um, because there is this whole stigma with diabetes that, you know, people automatically think about type two diabetes, mm-hmm. um, which I wouldn't say is necessarily a bad thing. It's just that they're not as informed, but, um, type two diabetes is a more common form of diabetes, but, mm-hmm. um, type one and type two are very different in terms of, um, etiology, uh, treatment and, and sort of management of it all. Yeah. So, I mean, at the same time, obviously you understand why they're both considered diabetes. Like, you know, it's, it's a lack of insulin production or no insulin production at all. It's, um, you know, 
that's basically like what's going on, the mechanics of your body. But, right. um, it's hard because when I was diagnosed, my mom even says, you know, people were coming up to her like, Oh, did you give her too much candy when she was younger? And right. I feel like, like that's such a misconception of like, like bullshit like that, where it's right. like, I was playing three sports and I was running around. Like I was a crazy active kid and right. I had, was like having the time of my life, but then on the flip side, I also was like a bigger girl. I'm like towering over boys in my grade. I'm like heavier <laughs> than all of them. Like we did our like fifth grade weighing. Like I was heavier than every single boy in my class. And it's like, which also it's like, how fucking dare they? <laughs> yeah. No. It's, Why was that ever a thing? Right. <laughs> and it's like, oh God. Yeah, I know. Cheese. Those like class talk weighings. about like a Jesus. 12 year old, like scarring moment. Mm-hmm. Right. But, um, <laughs> it's I mean it's fine like that's what my body is like and like it takes I'm not gonna say I have like a perfect like self body image I don't think anyone does but um it's getting better but it's like that's just my body like I mean it that's how it is like unless I want to literally starve myself like I'm not going to look a different way like this is just how it is and um like I have to be okay with that but it does I think and part of it is like put on myself too. Cause like you hear these little things, but like no one ever overtly came up to me and was like, Oh, like you're overweight. Is that why you have diabetes? Like I've had doctors like kind of assume that I had type two mm-hmm. and not type one, but it's like, I'm not really like, I'm not like <laughs> I, I work out. Um, you know, I eat healthy most of the time. Um, you know, I walk my dogs every yeah. day. Like it, it's like, I just, I'm living life. Like I'm not like, being unhealthy, I don't think by no, I, I would say that you're being more healthy. Yeah. Like, I think that is a misconception <laughs> of like, oh, that person's so healthy. Like, no, she has orthorexia and over exercises all the time, mm-hmm. and she like extremely restricts her food. So, right. like, yeah, 100%. I know. And it, it's hard because that's what you saw in media, like, especially with our right. generation. Like, that's all we saw growing up was just like, you, if you weren't thin, you're not pretty. Mm-hmm. Like, that was just end of story right now we're seeing a lot more different body shapes or like and even totally women who are considered petite it's like they're still someone who is extremely petite could also like not be eating well not exercising all this so it's like I don't think and this is a huge thing with like BMI like I don't think that that's a a necessarily good indicator of like health BMI is a horrible indicator yeah <laughs> I don't know and I like, don't think it was even developed like by a doctor no, like it's... it is just craziness mm-hmm. but yeah I mean that is the danger of only only showing one body type only celebrating one body type like mm-hmm. you were saying like when we grew up think about like the girls that we saw on shows like Rachel and Monica from Friends which yeah. were like stick figures Marissa Cooper on the OC. Yeah. Thick figure. I mean, she had a severe eating disorder like during that, which we all like knew way later. But right, like it's 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 tough because it's like every single doctor who I see who's like knows me really well is always like, Claire, you're you're so healthy. Like your your blood sugar, like you're you're managing your diabetes really well and all this. And it's like that's so nice to hear, but then it's like you know, people, people can still be like ignorant and even people who, who are medical professionals can be ignorant. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so it was definitely embarrassing. Like I, like I hit it from people a lot, like, especially like high school age. And then like at college, you're meeting all these new friends and like having to explain it to people. It really is like opening yourself up for like a lot of, like, that's like really intimate knowledge. But then again, like I can't not share it because like, I'm going to have to have like be testing my blood sugar in front of people and like giving myself insulin shots in front of people, like before I was on like a pump right. and a CGM and all of this, but it's like, um, you kind of are forced to, and then in college, you right. know, especially like going to college and stuff or going yeah. to camp. Like, when yeah. You're- so I, I ended up, you know, meeting really like lifelong friends in college and who are really have been so supportive and nice. And even one of my really good friends from college has type one too. And she's just like, so funny about it. And like, just also is like, you know what? Like if someone doesn't like me because I have diabetes, like we don't care. Right. And like, that's crazy. Yeah. So, so now I'm kind of like stepping more into that and like also becoming like a fitness instructor helped me a lot with that Mm -hmm. because you know, despite what I was telling myself, like, oh, people don't want to see someone 
one with a chronic illness or two, someone who doesn't have like a traditional fit, like bodybuilder type body Mm -hmm. or like perfect physique instruct them or teach them in class. And I finally like did it just because I felt like it was something I really wanted to try out and do. Um, and then like the amount of like positive feedback I got, I was like, wow, people actually really would, would almost rather. They would like prefer. Yeah. Like a normal human being and someone who's not going to judge them. Cause I'm like, you've been in those classes too. I'm sure where it's like, yeah, people are just like being aggressive and like, you know, being like, push it harder, like, you know, shaming you for taking a break. And it's like, listen to your body. Like if someone needs to take a break, they need to take a break. Like, I don't care, you know, or don't worry about what you look like. Like, don't show up being, you know, like, oh my God, you know, everyone's judging me or looking at me and all of this. And, and we all feel that. Like when you walk into the, into the gym, you're like, oh my God, everyone's staring at me. But it's like, if you just like walk in there confident and like have one foot in the door, you're, you're doing, you're doing better than all the people sitting at home on the couch. Right. And you are doing a better job than I'm sure half the people in the gym, like right. they could be, they're faking it too. Like everyone's just faking it to get through. Yep. So 100%. that's a whole other story. I feel like I'm bouncing around. On <laughs> no, you're like, <laughs> I love it. We're covering all the topics. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, end of, end of the day, like no matter what sort of, I don't want to say like baggage, it's not like baggage, but like anything that you're dealing with, like, you know, you people shouldn't blame other people for that and like also with having a chronic illness it's like mostly invisible right. you know um like everyone just needs to be kinder to everyone and like just like appreciate for what people for what they're they're doing and accomplishing and it's like um i do think we're seeing yeah. a big shift in that even after the pandemic it's like mental health issues and you know like totally tra- like dealing with trauma and like all of this and um I think we're being a lot nicer to everyone, but then you also do see like a lot more, um, hate for that too. But um, I know, I guess I would be like, just, just like step into your true authentic self and just be unapologetically yourself because you have one life. And if people aren't going to like you for a certain way that you are, then you don't want them anyway. Who cares? Like, right. I mean, I love that sentiment too, because (laughs) especially like, I think a lot of us, you know, whether it's chronic illness or whatever, like when you're younger, you're not really like fully in your own yet. And you want to like hide these pieces of you that you feel like maybe different or people might not understand or accept. But like, as you get older, the more you open up and are vulnerable with people, the more like genuine connection you're going to find anyway. So like, you're going to find your people if you just like put it out there. Oh yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> you're weeding through it. Right. I mean, cause you're not going to, not everyone's going to like you and totally the, on the other side of that, you can choose to not like people too. Like you don't have to hang around people who are toxic and life sucking, draining people. You know, yeah. it's like live your life. <laughs> yeah. If this time of our lives has taught us anything, it's like right. trim the fat right out of your life. Like mm. goodbye, all the negative people in real life on social no getting out oh, of yeah. a bubble <laughs> block delete like yes. unfriend yes. goodbye <laughs> bye um okay let's go back just a little bit about when you decided to um become a kick it by eliza instructor maybe like the decision you know what got you to make that decision how it oh, all man. went, how it's going, <laughs> how it's going. All I love that. Yeah. Um, so what I honestly, it's hard to just like pinpoint, like, oh, this is when I decided to do it. It's just right. like a bunch of my, um, coworkers and I were going to, um, just a lot of different fitness classes in, you know, the Boston area, you know, you saw us at everybody fights all the time. Yeah. Too. <laughs> we were like, we have bop around everywhere. Um, but we really loved kick it and we just had so much fun doing it together. So um, fun. and we always went to these classes and stuff. And then we always like kind of joked with each other, like, Oh, like we should be instructors, like kind of. And, um, I don't know. I just had like friends be like, Claire, like you would be so good at that and stuff. And you're like, 
no, maybe I would be, you know, yeah. like maybe. And so then, um, I just like pulled the trigger one December, I guess that was yeah three Decembers ago, two Decembers ago. I don't Which know. Crazy. It's hard to remember. Right. <laughs> and it was crazy. And then, um, yeah, I got a job like teaching in person before the mm-hmm. pandemic and it was, um, so much fun. Like the thing about like teaching, I love to make people feel good. Like I love to make people laugh. Like I always mm-hmm. have since I was little, like love to make people smile, like love to make people just like feel better and like welcomed and loved yep. and accepted. And, um, like teaching fitness is like, you can do that on a big scale, right? Like yeah. in a room full of people, you can make them feel like empowered and strong and, um, you know, like they're getting a good workout, but also that they're like in a safe place where they feel like, um, you know, they can be themselves and not worry about what they look like, not worry about like what they have to do next, but they just get to like, kind of lose themselves in that moment, which is like a big part of fitness too. It's like, you just get to like shut out the world and do something else for like an hour and like, you know, punch a bag. Yes. (laughs) Much like for our mental health kick the shit out of some people. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah. So then I, I, I did it and like, um, it's just, it's been really cool. Like to, to hear all the like positive reinforcement in it and, um, you know, being like, yeah, fitness instructors don't, there's not like a prototype for a fitness instructor, but there's all, there's not a prototype for, a millennial female, like there's not right. a prototype. Like we don't have to follow a script, you know, I love um, that. everyone is, you are so unique, like, and, and that's what makes you special. And it's like, share that with people and be different, like pave the way for someone else to do that too. Like not right. everyone has to do, you know, the traditional like life milestones. And like, I feel like we're, no. we're coming into sort of this era where people are realizing that too. It's like, you don't have to do things traditionally. Yeah. And like, yeah, everything is, we're flipping everything on its head and I love it. I'm like a total, like, let's stick it to the man. Like totally, (laughs) which is definitely like what I love about kick it by Eliza Mm -hmm. is that like, whether it's instructors and or participants members, like you look around that room and you see, somebody who is in college you see someone that is middle-aged you see someone of this ethnicity that ethnicity like you know yeah that kind of stuff that's not gonna stop you from being accepted both teaching or taking the class and like that's a really nice place to be because definitely not every place can feel like that so especially in the fitness world Yeah. Well, no, I mean, that's, I, I definitely was stuck in like some toxic, more fitness methods before I was just, I came to like, start working out with my, my coworkers and we were doing Mm -hmm. like a lot of those like Boston magazine events where you could just like try a bunch of different fitness methods. And that's how we found kick it. Um, and like after we took kick it all the time, we're like, you just feel like you you don't feel weird. I don't know. You just didn't yes. feel judged. And it's like such like a welcoming space. And like, same thing with everyone at everybody fights. Like I love, I love the energy there. It's so fun, mm-hmm. but you just don't feel like you're being one judged for if you're slower than the person next to you, if right. you're not lifting as heavy as the person next to you, like with kick it, you don't use any weights or anything, right. but, but it's the same thing, right? Like it's if the you same fall thing. off the beat or whatever, like yeah. who cares? We're all just here no. to have a good time. Oh my God. People are laughing, you know, like right. Eliza's encouraging you or like any other instructor who's teaching you. It's like, you got this, like, like keep going. And, right. and it's so special. And like, that's the kind of energy I want to like give to the rest of the world. Yes. Um, but I think that a lot of people don't really have any experience like with people in their lives, like having diabetes or don't really know like the ins and the outs. So Mm -hmm. even just kind of sharing like on like a daily, weekly, whatever basis, like what those steps are that like you need to take. And like, I mean, what you were saying, like if you don't have access to some of those, I mean, medications and like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm very not well-versed in any of it either. So no, that's okay. I mean, it's good to like, 
you know, be, be honest about that. And I don't expect people to like, know. I mean, it's, um, I know there are a lot of people with like friends with diabetes and everything, but, um, so in my situation, and there, there are plenty of other types of diabetes that are insulin dependent as well, but I'll just kind mm-hmm. of speak to my experience, yeah. um, with type one. Um, so, so basically what's going on in, in your body is that you are, uh, your body basically is attacking itself. Um, and the isolate cells on your, um, pancreas, which are what produce insulin, um, slowly kind of get destroyed. Mm -hmm. So at this point I have no functioning, um, isolate cells. So the, um, I, I produce no insulin. My body doesn't mm-hmm. produce insulin. So, um, I have to use artificial insulin to, uh, manage my blood sugar because yep. without the insulin, um, you know, eating just your body will produce, you know, glucose. And, right. um, then obviously you get into a dangerous situation where you can go into diabetic ketoacidosis and, um, you know, fall into a coma and eventually you know, die. (laughs) So doesn't sound ideal. No. Um, we want to avoid that. (laughs) I know. And then on the flip side, if you, um, give yourself too much insulin with the artificial, um, dosing, you can go too low, um, and your blood sugar is low. And then that can also lead to, um, like scary situations like seizures and then eventually death as well. So you are basically like playing a game between like life and death, like every day, which is kind of crazy to say. Um, and like, this is sort of going back to what I was talking about before is that like people with diabetes are so casual about, about it, like on a day-to-day basis, just because you're like, used to it and it's your routine. Yeah. And- I go through my days so seamlessly that I feel like sometimes people around me, like just don't even realize. And it's like, that's great. Like I like being just Claire. Like I don't like right. being like this disease or whatever, right. but, um, it is good to like bring awareness to it and say, you know, this is a huge issue for people where, um, right now the cost of insulin has risen like 1200% in the past 20 years, which is insane or so. And, and, um, for no reason. So they haven't up, right. they haven't like changed, the actual cost of it. Yeah. They haven't changed the, um, the formulation of, of the, the artificial insulin. They haven't changed yeah. anything. It's just these three large, um, pharmaceutical companies that are, buying up all the patents for different types of insulin. Cause there's long acting and, and short acting insulin. So, mm-hmm. um, people who aren't on an insulin pump like me can take, um, a dose of long acting insulin every day. And that's just sort of like the background insulin working. Yep. And then you would dose more of the short acting insulin if you were eating, or if for some reason your blood sugar was going high or any sort of things can like change your blood sugar on, on a day, like right. any sort of thing. So, um, they're, they're buying up all these patents and then they're just raising the prices because in, in typically in the free market, things work themselves out. Right. So say I have a shirt that I'm buying or I'm selling you mm-hmm. and, uh, everyone really likes the shirt and they're all buying it. And then I'm like, Oh, okay. Like it's really getting popular. I'm going to raise the price. So there's going to be a price where as much as you like that shirt, you're like, I'm not going to keep buying that right. because that's too expensive. Right. I'm going to go buy a shirt somewhere else. Right. It's going to be different, but it still suits its purpose. Right. Mm -hmm. But for insulin, there's nowhere else I can buy it. My other option is death. Like (laughs) that's, that's the, that's the harsh reality of it. And now when I was first diagnosed, even like 14 years ago, my mom saying, um, insulin was like $90 a vial and now it's 350. And this might be a stupid question, but like how many vials would you need like a month? Probably no, that's a good question per person, but each person's very different. And like your insulin needs are just on um, based on so many different factors. Like that's just, you know, it, your insulin, even your pancreas works very differently than anyone else's. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, but your pancreas is a very smart organ and it can just work on its own. Whereas yeah. I have to act as my own, you know, and make these, you know, honestly guesses a lot of the time to see mm-hmm. like making sure my levels are in range. But, um, yeah, it, it depends for me. I, I honestly like, don't even know exactly how many, but it could be like one vial a week, or it could be, um, a vial every two weeks or like for some people, you know, it, it just, it varies. And there right. are, are people who become insulin resistant and then they need more insulin. Mm. Um, and like all these different factors play into it. It's, right. <laughs> it's a lot. So regardless, it's just yeah expensive because it's a lot. Yeah. But <laughs> even think about like $350 a month. 
if if your insurance isn't fully covering that, that's insane. That, so I mean, and that's one. Yeah, and that's yeah. just the vial of insulin. That's not your so. I talk because I was talking to like some politicians about this recently because we're mm-hmm. trying to get um, a bill passed here to allow for like the emergency access to insulin. It's also called Kevin's Law, named after a young man, Kevin, who passed away um, in 2013 or 2014 because over a holiday weekend he couldn't contact his physician's office to get a refill and he passed away. Oh my gosh. Um, because he couldn't go to the pharmacy and get insulin, which so, is just so crazy. These are preventable like, things. Like this is right. all preventable and it happens approximately 12 times a year that, oh that someone will, will pass because they're rationing their insulin, mm-hmm. um, because of the cost and, um, all these options that you're seeing, like I'm sure in the media and like, people are like, Oh, well, this seems like a viable option. You know, this like Walmart insulin or that's not the same type of insulin and, and it works very differently. And it's honestly dangerous. Um, if, if you use it incorrectly, it's like so much more dangerous than, um, the other types of insulin we use. And then, you know, copay caps and like all these other things. It's like, this is great, but we're putting like a bandaid on bullet holes here. Like the pharmaceutical companies to be held accountable. Why are they raising the prices? That's why. Cause you want to buy another summer home for yourself. Like, right. Think about just even in, in our society today, like with, and this is me being my, like, social justice liberal like but, like but like this is just the stuff in in other places where it's like capitalism i i can understand okay yes you want competition and all this but right but, but it's at what taking cost? it to People's another lives? extreme yeah. exactly like that's just that's insane like and i don't our healthcare system is so messed up oh, where God. like access to good health insurance is really hard to come by like i mean i went to college and i worked at corporate jobs for like five years before i left to do fitness full-time and my health insurance sucked and i was paying so much just for like basic Mm -hmm. things so i never went to the doctor because i knew it was going to be too expensive like now i get those people that like are single moms and have kids and like don't Mm -hmm. take them to the doctors because they literally can't afford it like i thought that i took the right steps like i went to college like isn't that supposed to be your like which shouldn't be your barrier to entry for good health insurance but like you know it's kind of what you're taught like you go to college you get a good job and then like (laughs) everything will be easy (laughs) well in in the u.s we're one of the only you know developed countries that that tie health insurance to your to your job so intensely and in terms of yeah it's crazy you know if you don't have a job you don't have insurance and so what are you supposed to do and and that's the reality for a lot of americans and in after world war two when health insurance was becoming sort of this new thing. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, all these countries were, were starting to implement it everywhere. The U S was the only country who decided to make it privatized. Mm-hmm. So that's privatized insurance. So it wasn't, um, you know, like publicly funded, it wasn't right. government run and look where we are now. Like it's we're so doing hard. great. <laughs> it's really frustrating because I work in healthcare. I see, and I'm also a patient. Mm-hmm. I've been behind the scenes sort of being, um, you know, a coordinator sort of with like insurance companies and all of that. And, and my undergraduate degree was in health policy and all of these things. And I get so mad when people are like, the U S has the best healthcare in the world. We don't, we don't, no. it's just not true. Maybe we might have some you... doctor, like really good doctors and stuff, but if they're <laughs> but inaccessible, even... unless you're you're rich. rich. If you're rich, then sure. You can get top tier healthcare in the U S you can get these crazy, like kidney trans, like cross country kidney transplants and all of this. But if you are poor or you're a person of color, or you are yeah. disabled, you will not be treated the same as someone mm-hmm. who, um, is wealthy and has yeah. resources and power. You just won't, it's just, it's so sad. It is so disheartening and it yeah. has to change. Like it, it just does. And I think we're reaching this point where people are sick of it, but everyone's so scared because they've been taught, you know, this socialism's scary. And like, that's a scary, right. bad word, but, um, with healthcare, it just, in any other country, it just isn't even a second thought, even in their most conservative political parties, they, right. they won't even dare like to question universal healthcare. Right. I think, and, and it's so sad that people are, 
people just don't want to want, don't enjoy the premise of me as a healthy person paying for someone who's sick health expenses. Right. Because Mm -hmm. that's the idea of like socialized medicine. It's like, you know, you get a pool of, of healthy and sick people, both paying in to paying their taxes and, and then, you know, that gets used for healthcare. So whether you're sick or healthy, like, you know, that you're covered, but, but once it happens to you, we're kind of sort of not doing that already. We're doing that already. Right. Like we're paying the money every month to the health insurance companies. Yeah. But how often are you really like banking? (laughs) It's it's so frustrating because it's like everyone has that attitude until they get sick or someone in their family gets sick. Right. So it's like, do you think there was, there was literally not a single thing in this universe that could have prevented me from getting diabetes. And that just sucks. It's just the luck of the draw. There's right. Honestly, there's thank God that your family was able to. Yeah work with it, you know, mm-hmm. and have those resources for you. Yeah. Like you exactly. think about some people, I mean, to go to more of like an extreme level, but families that go through, you know, crazy incidences with cancer and stuff mm-hmm. and they lose their houses and they go bankrupt and they lose everything they ever had on top of the emotional distress yeah. of, you know, in a lot of cases, losing a loved one. Yeah. Yeah. You, it's unheard of in other places to medical bankruptcy. Yeah. And it's, and it's just casual in the U S it's like, yep, someone, someone else had to, you know, lose everything just because right. they wanted to to survive and it, or they wanted their family members to survive. And right. It's sad. I hope that people start to realize, you know, that it's important and we need to, we need a change. We need to get on, get on board with everything because people are suffering and and it's really, it's sad. I mean, yeah. I hope, I hope that I can help, help people as a provider and everything, but I still want to stay involved in, in politics and everything because, you know, so many people think politics is boring and confusing and that's just a way for, that's a cop out. Yeah. Like <laughs> it, it is, it's like, you know, congrats on being privileged enough to not have to care, but right. <laughs> like, right. Um, I mean, I can understand like, okay, it's confusing. You don't understand the ins and outs. Who does? No, but you know, it's so important for things like this that, right. Like you don't care until it affects you. Yeah. So vote, always vote, (laughs) um, use your voice. Like people just don't realize like you can reach out to your local representatives and they want, they government employees work for us. They don't work for you know, whoever the president is or anything like the, and they don't work right. for these, they're getting paid by big companies to work for them. But if, if the American people who actually are the ones voting for them get upset, then, you know, you can make a big enough stink to change things. Like totally. I just don't think people understand the power in their voice sometimes. And, and that goes to, to say in like a lot of different ways, you know, like I didn't realize the power of my voice. And yeah. I think a lot for, of us didn't on so many levels, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, on on all these things so definitely would be a big takeaway from from my perspective like being where I am now is like if I could have talked to myself 10 years ago it's like you know stand up for yourself be yourself and and use your voice and you know simple (laughs) as that well (laughs) make it sound easy yeah right in terms of um you know the advocacy for insulin that's available for everybody Mm -hmm. and all of that stuff are there any anything that people can do besides, you know, paying attention to elections and stuff? Are there like specific organizations that you mm-hmm. would suggest yeah. donating to, volunteering yes. with, yep. any of that kind of stuff? So I currently work with um, T1 International and it is a nonprofit that's run by people with type 1 diabetes and other insulin dependent types of diabetes. And um, their main goal is to make insulin affordable and accessible for everyone across across the world, you know, yeah, but um, specifically in the U S right now is obviously where my work efforts are, um, with them, but they don't take any money from pharmaceutical companies at all. So a lot of organizations, so I would say be, it's hard to, to be like informed, but try your best to do your own research. So yeah. I don't want to like bash any other companies, but there were plenty of organizations that I was involved with. And I didn't realize that 
they're taking money from big pharma. So perhaps their interests aren't aligned with mine because, you know, they want to keep insulin prices up so that they can keep getting money. And, and, you know, there are other issues, you know, with like insurance companies or medical devices I spend a lot of money on, but like the core root of it is like insulin should not be expensive. The patent was sold for $1 when it was invented. Frederick Banting said insulin is for the people. It's not for me to profit off of this. This is saving people's lives. So, right. Anyway, but yes, T1 International, go look them up. Um, And then you can also look up the Massachusetts chapter of Insulin for All. We're on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Yeah. And we have a website too. So (laughs) definitely get involved with them. They're a great organization and very um, progressive and like conscious. Yeah. I'm going to look them up. You've got me me fired up. I know. (laughs) Like, good. I get my soapbox out and I'm like, if I can get one person like, yes. you know, motivated for the cause. And I try and do that in my nursing classes too. I'm like, yeah. you guys are going to be healthcare professionals. You need to understand this stuff and you need yeah. to be informed about all of these things. So well, I love that because I yeah. mean, I think we've all had different experiences with healthcare providers. If you, I think you're very lucky if you haven't, but like, mm-hmm saying ignorant things. Oh my gosh. Naming you for different things. Like, Mm -hmm. and so I feel like it's nice that right now you have, you know, chance, like chances to talk to other future healthcare providers and from your own experience, it's just going to make you such a great one. Oh, I hope so. There's going to be you. a 12 year old girl that gets diagnosed <laughs> with diabetes and you're going to help her and lead her through it. I would love that. Um, yeah. Just for the sake of time, let's just end it with any books, podcasts, documentaries, resources, anything that either you're currently loving or maybe you read years ago and have like stuck with you or anything, anything you recommend oh like that. I know. That's so a hard. <laughs> I know. No, well, that's hard just because my mom and I were laughing because all the books that she bought when I was first diagnosed, she's like, they were so dated. Like she was like, you should write a book about right. diabetes. Like now oh my God, you should. Um, oh gosh. I don't know if I can. I mean, even if it's not like <laughs> diabetes or anything, like yeah. it could literally just be yeah. Well, okay. I do follow a, a bunch of, I would say for someone who's like has chronic illness or something specific like that in, uh, Instagram is honestly such a great place to connect yeah. with people. And I know social media can be like really toxic and, and everything, but you just have it to decide great who, too. who to follow, you know? And like, right. I love following you, Amanda, obviously it's I like, so, you. so cute. <laughs> um, very much aligned, um, I think ideas, but with yes. between the two of us, um, we're 100. very aligned. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, it, uh, I'm starting a podcast as well. Yeah, I'm getting I was gonna train. say, so <laughs> I know I didn't want to use, um, hype yourself up. yeah, so it's called gin and chronic, um, Love myself it. and, and our, our other kick it instructor friend, Elena, um, just talk about our chronic illnesses and in life, you know, going through the motions with those. Um, it's really fun and it's, we hope it's like lighthearted and, and easy to listen to and, you know, digestible. No, click out. I would like to say that my Instagram is a great source of information about all things, but it um, is Claire Clendenin <laughs> at yes. Clendenin, um, on Instagram and, uh, yeah, looking to an international, what other things do I get involved with? Yeah. Check out Kick It by Eliza. Come join us on the virtual yes. platform. Yeah. I know. I need to come take a class, one of yours. Yes. Oh my Online. Gosh. I know. <laughs> but I have like a bunch of fun little little choreo that I've been doing. So yes. I yes. love it. I miss it so much. Um does the podcast have an Instagram? Yes, Gin and Chronic Pod at okay. Gin and Chronic Pod. I need to get okay, better awesome. at this like self um promotion stuff it's so Mm -hmm. awkward I know well I mean I feel like we're taught our whole entire lives not to like hype ourselves up so it's hard to like switch that gear yeah Yeah. we're like oh no it's okay don't don't let me up you don't have to listen it's okay it's like you don't have to it's and just if you want to it's probably not even like it's probably not even good like don't even bother (laughs) especially as women too like we're taught to not be like cocky or like confident because that comes across as like 
itchy, but that's right. a whole other topic. I know. We that's could, for next time. Yeah, we'll do a part two <laughs> and just talk all about that. I know. Um, well, this was so fun. I'm so glad yeah. that you hopped on. And Thank by you. the time this airs, your podcast will be live and running. Woo! So I can't wait to give it a listen. Yes. Yeah. Well, awesome. I've been listening to yours, so. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah. That's yeah. it. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you, you to so everyone much. who listened. I hope that, you know, it was informative and, and interesting. But yeah, I thank you so. for giving me a platform to to speak, you know, my truth. I love it so much. <laughs> All right. Anyways, bye. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening to the Build with Brayback podcast. Stay connected on Instagram at Build with Brayback and our website, www.buildwithbraybeck.com. Show a little love by rating and reviewing, sharing with your friends, and of course, subscribing so you don't ever miss an episode. Until next week, keep on building.